Turn over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And before we get rolling, I want to confess to you um, that uh, the particular issue that we're talking about when it comes to money, treasures, and greed uh, that we talked about last week and we'll talk about today, I have struggled with all my life. Um, I, uh, When I was growing up, I had one sister and mom and dad, and we grew up in uh, over in Santa Barbara. And um, my favorite game growing up was Monopoly. Uh, I don't know if you do or don't like Monopoly, but I loved it. Uh, the problem was nobody wanted to play with me in my house, probably the way I played. Um, it wasn't because I was great, but just the greed thing came out in Monopoly. When you uh, you think about it, <coughs> I always uh, loved Boardwalk and Park Place. Not because they were uh, particularly the best properties to own, but for one simple reason. They cost the most money. And when you put the hotels on them, you got the most money. And there was something great about that for me. Uh, sad thing, this is what happens in a home where you just have one sister. I used to sit in the den by myself and play the right hand against the left hand. Uh, it made negotiating for the properties a um, little bit easier. Sometimes one hand was more stubborn than the other and got complicated. <coughs> I share that with you to uh, be clear with you that this is not a message for the people. But this is the message for the pastor and for the elders. And really, uh, I believe as we think that way, that we live in a, a day and a place where we struggle with these things. And so we will relate one to another as we look to God's word and realize that this is God's instruction for us. Please stand in honor of God's word as I'd like to read for you. Um, this section we'll be going over, <coughs> excuse me, today, starting in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Father God, uh, direct our thoughts through your word. May it not just go into our mind, but that it go into our heart as well. And that it would cause us to repent and to change according to your desires. God, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> Excuse me. Last week, I encouraged us all uh, to consider verse 21 this week. And 
as we look at this, I'll have three points. And the first one this morning, I just have titled Your Heart, Your Heart. My question for you, uh, there's two questions. The first one being, where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? This verse tells us that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so you have to ask, and we individually need to ask, what is it that we treasure here in this life? What is the one thing or the couple of things that we say is more valuable than anything to us? What is it that we invest in? What is it that we are drawn to? What is it that we daydream about? What is our treasure? The second question, it's kind of the same question, uh, just kind of the flip side to that, is where's your heart? Where's your heart? What speaks of heart in this verse, <coughs> it's not talking about the thing that pumps blood. It's talking about the center of our being. That, that thing that grabs us and drives our life. Where is our heart? And as I look at these two questions, they're both the same because it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And really, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is too. And so as we look at that, we consider where God has us, where He wants us, and where our life is right now. It's important to ask the question where it is right now, right? Because we're not here today. I hope you didn't come here today uh, saying, I, I just want to be the same. I, I want to be the same as I was yesterday. But that we're desiring that God would change us to bring us into line with His own desires and will for, uh, for us. His his desire and will for us. One writer has said about this verse, he said, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, he said, uh, instead of lifting a man's heart toward heaven, instead he buries it in his savings. You, you have in this passage and really through these last chapters, our mind has been drawn to heaven as something greater than the things down here. And he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your treasure is in, invested in the things that are eternal, then that's where your heart will be. If your heart is invested in the things that are temporal, uh, that's where your heart will be as well. The big issue in the verses prior that we looked at last week was that the things that are temporary, it's not that they're bad in and of themselves, but that they're temporary. <laughs> Moth and rust destroy. That they're going to go away. That they will pass. They are not something that will last, uh, most of them, not even for a lifetime, but for eternity, absolutely not. And so he says, make sure you treasure that which is eternal, that which is of heaven, and not treasure the things that are temporary. One thing I missed last week is I was sharing about this is that uh, Jesus goes from the corporate to the personal. He's talking about the general character. Everyone should know that treasures aren't to be treasured and your treasures and everyone's treasures. But then he uh, he brings it down to us personally. He says, your treasures, your treasures 
and your heart. Often we uh, come to church and we allow things to be something that, yeah, I'm glad the preacher's preaching that for the church instead of this is for me. And so the first question or the first point is your heart. Where's our heart? The second uh, point I have for you this morning is your eyes. If you look down at verse 22, it says the eye is the lamp of the body. The lamp of the body. Um, your eyes are important. Some of you need glasses because you, your eyes aren't doing so well. Others of you, like myself, are fighting it, right? We might need them, but we're not wearing them yet, right? And it matters. Our eyesight matters. Have you ever considered going blind? What it would be like? <clears throat> what that, what, what that, how that would change your life? And now Jesus, as he's preaching, and I want you to ask the question, how does this fit? Jesus isn't a random preacher like some of us here today who's just spitting out things, just train of thought or, you know, just as things pop into his head and they don't really make sense. But he goes from talking about treasure. Now he's talking about eyesight. And he says the eye is the lamp of the body. What he's pointing to is your eyes is that this is connected, your, your eye is connected to the rest of your body. That seems obvious, doesn't it? That they all work together. But this is what he's pointing out. He says, <coughs> the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are working well, it sees the light coming in and it instructs the rest of your body. You may say, well, uh, it's okay if one part of your body isn't working. Uh, the other parts can still be healthy. That's true to some degree. But if you cannot see, uh, what are your hands going to do? They're not going to be instructed to move. How well is the person who plays sports who doesn't have good eyesight or is blind? How, how do you go about uh, building a house with your hands if you can't see, how, how do you go about even working on a computer or even walking? He says, that if your eye is healthy, then that will instruct the rest of your body. It, the light will come in through your eyes and then the rest of your body will be full of light. He continues in verse 23, he says, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. In the same way <coughs> as health brings of your eyesight instructs the rest of your body. If you cannot see, if you cannot allow light in, the rest of your body cannot benefit from that. Though it may be strong and able to do what's right, it won't. Because it doesn't have the instruction of the light that comes in only through your eyes. And then he reiterates the point of the bad eye and says, if then light, uh, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Connect this with me with these passages, right? He's talked about treasures. He's talked about where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And now he's talking about your eyesight. 
whether it be good or whether it be bad. What I think the connection here is this, that as we see and as we evaluate with our eyes, as we, it's our frame of mind, our ideas about wealth and about uh, the value of life. He says, as we see that, that will instruct the rest of our life. You see, if uh, we have a bad picture of what treasures are, if we value treasures above that which is eternal, it will formulate and it'll instruct the rest of our life. If it's a wrong vision, if we have wrong eyesight, it will instruct everything else. Some of us uh, would fight against this idea. <laughs> we would say, I, I, I'm not struggling all in life. I, I, only, I just can't see. I just can't see. It's interesting. Uh, I don't know if you've ever walked in the dark before. You thought it wasn't important to have good. You, you, maybe it was at night and you said, I don't want to turn on the lights. I'll just, I, I know where I'm going. The two spots, right? You know, the restroom or the kitchen, right? Uh, and you say, well, I know the way. And maybe you're, you're doing this and you can't see. And maybe you do the door thing. You know what I'm talking about? Where the door just slips in between your hands. And you walk and then you take it right in the nose. Or maybe for you, uh, you you've got the home alone thing going on. Uh, you know, you didn't pick up all the things that were left in the night. And so you say, I, I know where I'm going. I, I know uh, how to get there. It's not a big deal. And so you confidently are walking in the dark. And then you catch the Lego right in the arch of your foot. Not a good day. You see, darkness matters. Darkness matters. And for us, <coughs> we can't say that just because we're, we're looking in the wrong direction, we have a wrong perspective of what treasures are that we can live the rest of our life being all right and especially in right relationship with God. So you have your heart and you have your eyes, whether they be in light or darkness. My third point is your Lord. If you look down at verse 24, God's Word says as Jesus is speaking this, and I'm so... Uh, <laughs> as, we look, as we look at this section, I'm so... Uh, Touched by the fact that Jesus, the Savior, is standing in front of these people. That God has a message and His Son is preaching it before these people. And He's instructing them and He's telling them that they need a relationship with the Father. That this is the most to be valued of anything. And Him in the flesh before them, being the Savior. The one who was going to give up His life for them. To show the value that God had placed on them. He says these words. He says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to the one and, uh, and despise the other. And then he says, You cannot serve God and money. <laughs> There's two sides to all this, right? There's two masters. There's God and money. There's hate and love. There's devotion and despising. And as we look at this, 
Most of us have desired to be a part-time lover of God or money. Kind of one that's kind of on and off. Like in relationship and out of relationship. We consider uh, the idea and say, yes, I I love to have money, but I also love God. And I'm kind of going back and forth and I'm flipping and flopping and I I can do both. We think that we can be a part-time lover. We feel that we can uh, take or leave our relationship with God and our relationship with money. Interesting to me, uh, it doesn't give the idea that we are Lord over God, nor Lord over money. And most of us think that we are. We think, um, when I need God, when I need God, I call out to Him and He serves me. Like a slave, He would come and meet my needs and take my order and fulfill my order. And this is what our relationship is with God. And yet, you look at this passage, it doesn't have any of those words that He would be our servant. Doing what we want. It also, we feel that way sometimes about money. That we say, oh, I could take it or leave it. That money is my tool and I am the master over it. Yet the picture here is that we would be the servant of money. That we would chase after it in such a way that there would be uh, the power over money dictating to us what we will and won't do. It's a master-slave relationship. This morning, I want to tell you there's a competition going on for your service. There's a competition. It's crying out to you. A loving God who would willingly give up His own Son saying, serve me, I'm worthy. That I want to be in relationship with you. And money drawing us away saying, I will give you what you need. I, I will be enough for you. As we have this, comp- there's this competition for our service, for our adoration, for our affections. We realize that there is a sense where we are to choose. I want to point out one other thing before I conclude this point. But, but this, I, I want to tell you this. <clears throat> most of us think that we can figure things out. That we're always going to figure out a better way to do things. That, uh, you know, it says, uh, we come to this issue of God and money and we go, boy, that's hard. You know, sometimes it's hard to balance, uh, you know, God and money. Sometimes I have a hard time with chasing after money and chasing after God. And it's just difficult. I want you to look at the scripture again. And see what it says. It does not leave open the possibility that you could balance a love for God and a love for money. It says no one, no one can serve two masters. No one can do it. That means no one here in this room can have God be God and have money be God also. Nobody can do it. There's not one of us. In fact, no one has ever done it. He says no one in in the beginning of verse 24. And then he reiterates, you 
cannot serve God and money. It can't be done. It's impossible. The thing that we struggle with is this, that God's calling for our life. He's calling for us to serve Him. And sometimes uh, we have no idea what that means. You say, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't, I don't have a clue. Many times that's because we're connected to money and treasures down here on this earth. We haven't even asked the question what God wants us to do. But sometimes we have a vague idea. I, I think that God, you know, I've been praying about it. He's put some things into my life. He's instructing me by His Word. I think this is what God wants me to do. And you say, ah, I think this is what God wants me to do. And then you ask the question, how much is it going to cost? How much is it going to cost? I want to suggest to you that if that somehow fits into whether you would follow God or not, you're serving God as a secondary option to you serving money. It is not, it is not a love for God. It is not a, a serving of, of our God. It is a serving of money. You say, well, well wait a minute. Doesn't the Bible say something about Considering the cost and building a tower or something like that? Yeah, it does. Maybe you could look it up. It's in the book of Luke. Jesus said it again in, in chapter 14. He talks about uh, the, the idea of one building a tower and, and the idea that if you don't consider what it will cost in the end, you might run up short and it, it'll be this great shame. But if you look at the context of that, it's of following the Lord Jesus Christ. And the answer of the cost of following Jesus Christ, do you know what it is? It's everything. It's everything. To consider the cost of following after the will of God, it's everything. It's not that we would ever get to the place where we would say, God, I would do what you want me to do, but it costs too much. But that as we see and as we walk with him, that we do not serve money, but we serve him exclusively. We do what he wants us to do. I want to give you a few practical points uh, to tie up our time this morning. The first one being this. <laughs> I want to encourage you to place your heart where it should be. Place your heart where it should be. And you say, how do I do that? How do I do that? My heart kind of goes wherever it wants to go. Uh, I'm a, my heart, you know, it's crazy. One day I wake up and I, I love this thing. And the other day I wake up loving that thing. How do I make my heart do what it's supposed to do? Real simple. You take your treasure and you place it there where it's supposed to be. You say, well, how do I do that? Let, let me tell you. Where your heart is supposed to be. It's supposed to be in your family. It's supposed to be in your family. Especially, I think of you fathers, that your, your heart is to be in your children your spouses. You're supposed to die when they die. You're supposed to hurt when they hurt. 
You're supposed to sacrificially forget about yourself and invest in them. And you say, well, I need more me time. No, you don't. No, you don't. If Jesus were worried about me time, we would have never been saved. Never. So you take your treasure, your your investment, your your time, your treasure, your your money, everything that you are, and you place it in your family. That, That which is eternal. Your family is not great because they're your family. They're great because they have souls and they're eternal. You think about the people that God has placed in your life that have souls. Invest in them. Put your time and your treasure into them. Think about this church and go, what is going on here? This is eternal work. And if it's not, we shouldn't be doing it. It's eternal. Think about the things that are eternal in my life. And so often what competes with that are the things that are temporary. So the first thing I'd share with you is to take, to, to put your heart in the right place. And the way to do that is to take your treasure and to place it where God wants you to be. The second thing I would tell you is protect your eyesight. Protect your eyesight. You say, well, how do I do that? Um, be careful what you allow to shape what you see is important in this world. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Catalogs. <laughs> catalogs. Any of you like looking at catalogs? I love it. You know what my favorite catalog is right now? Northern Tool. It came like two weeks ago. We've been pouring over it. You know what the danger is to that? As you start seeing life and you say, this is going to be my goal. This is going to be my goal. And what happens when your eyesight is bad, do you understand what happens? It instructs the rest of your body. And then spiritually speaking is when you place before yourself, your eyesight begins to think about things and to dream about things. And then what happens, your heart and your treasure go there. And if it's not eternal things, there's a danger there. What's instructing your thoughts? What's the thing that is giving light to your eyes? Be careful about your eyesight. And the third thing, practical things for us today. I want to say it this way, and then I'll rephrase it. Pick your master. Pick your master. And I want to re-say that by saying this. Serve your master. Serve your master. Um, The reason I say pick is because there's this competition. And... (laughs) <laughs> we have daily choices to make about who we're going to serve. Are we going to serve God or are we going to serve money? Are we going to choose to serve God or are we going to choose to serve money? Are we going to be drawn into relationship with Him and, and doing that which is eternal? Or are we going to be drawn away into that which is temporary? I just want to point out this one thing. Let God be God. Let God be God. How ridiculous is it for us to serve a dollar bill, a possession? What it is, it's idolatry. And you say, well, idolatry, yeah, yeah. 
inanimate objects, things that cannot satisfy. And once again, I I point out to you that Jesus is standing before them and he's calling to them and he's saying, you want a relationship with my father. This is what's going to be. This is what's going to thrill your hearts. And he compassionately shares with them the right way while he is preparing to die that they might be with him that they might have eternal life. So I want to encourage you to pick your master and make sure it's not the one that is really no God at all. Let me pray for us and then we'll celebrate what the Lord has done for us in His death. God, thank You. (laughs) Thank You for Your love and Your compassion for us. God, our eyesight is bad. Uh, our, our heart is drawn away into things that aren't eternal. God, I ask that you would work in our midst right now, starting with me. God, you know how we struggle, how I struggle. God, I pray that we would not uh, buy the lie that we can love you and love money at the same time. God, help us uh, to invest in that which is eternal and not chase after and worry ourselves with the things that will not last. God bless your church. Uh, Thank you for Jesus and what he did on our behalf. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.